Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Well, one thing is for certain, that in the midst of every life, there are bound to be storms. Storms that rise up unexpectedly, storms that threaten to undo us. The question is what it takes to weather those storms. Based on Psalm 46 and the story of Jesus calming the storm from Luke 8, verses 22 through 25, here's today's message, which is entitled, Storms. Actually, you know what? It kind of is amazing to me that the disciples didn't see it coming. I mean, they couldn't have been all that surprised that neither the suddenness nor the intensity of the windstorm that swept across the Sea of Galilee that day. After all, most of them in that boat were seasoned fishermen. And having spent a fair amount of time on the water, you know that they had to have experienced a a storm or two. Moreover, they understood this particular body of water. The Sea of Galilee, you see, is surrounded by a series of mountains and low valleys through which wind and weather is ever and always funneling down. And so this was and is a place where storms, often very violent storms, always seem to happen. And yet when Jesus gets into the boat that day and says to the disciples, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. There's no question at all on the part of these disciples as to which way the wind might have been blowing or where the clouds were on the horizon or where the current of the water was headed. Jesus simply says to them, let's go. And immediately they hop in the boat, they're raising up the sails and they're putting out across the water. And well, you know what happened next. Who knows? Maybe it really didn't seem to them like a day when a storm was likely to hit. Perhaps they figured they could make it across the water before any of the rough stuff got started. Because remember, the Sea of Galilee is actually only about seven miles wide, which in terms of square miles makes it slightly smaller than Lake Winnipesaukee. Or maybe it was just the fact that they just spent this day with Jesus. And and why would you not want that to continue? And besides, I'm sure that a couple of them kind of saw something on the horizon, but they probably thought to themselves, oh well, it is what it is, as we say today. You can't stop a storm. Storms are going to come, no matter what. And so when they come, what you need to do is simply to get through them. One of the things that we discovered when our family lived out in Ohio is that there is a heightened awareness about tornadoes. Much more so than in in this part of the world, even given the fact that there were actually a couple of tornadoes in New Hampshire this past week. It is not something that we experience a, a lot around here, and it wasn't something we experienced a whole lot while we were living there but it was nonetheless a very real thing. The weather service regularly issued tornado warnings. There was this loud, and I mean immensely loud siren in the center of town that used to go off when the danger was particularly close. 
And there were actually a handful of times over the five years we were out there when a twister actually touched down nearby, causing an incredible amount of damage, literally in an instant. Zachary and I, being crazy, one day after one of these storms, went out and tried to follow the path of the twister. And, and you know, it's not like the movie, you know, we didn't see cows flying by or anything like that, but, but what we could see, the trees ripped up, and you could see a very clear path as to where these storms led. Well, there was an elderly church member who lived in a brand spanking new house on the rural outskirts of town. And visiting him one day, I made a comment to him about how incredibly beautiful this home was. And he just smiled at me and said, well, thank you, but you know, you really should have seen my first house. He went on to tell me about how his first home had been totally destroyed, completely destroyed by a passing tornado just a few years before. And he described to me in vivid detail how he and his family took cover in the storm cellar and how he looked up out of the door of that storm cellar just in time to see the terrifying sight of the entire roof of his house being picked up, torn away from the house, and sucked up into the tornado. Now, understand, he and his family survived the storm, but they lost everything. And as he's telling me this story, and again, understand, I am standing on the very spot where all this had taken place a few years before. I am thinking to myself, why would you even stay here? I mean, this brand new house is nice and all, but if it were me, I'd want to get away from Tornado Alley as fast as possible and as far away from it as possible. I would never want to have happen to me what happened then ever again in my life. And I asked him about that, and he simply replied, well, this is my home. Life goes on. And you've got to rebuild. What other choice do you have? And you know, and this is where I got this, he said, there's always going to be storms in this life. And you can't stop a storm from coming. Well, that's certainly true. And in more ways than one. I mean, think about it. Everything's going along just fine. Suddenly the phone rings in the middle of the night and the news is bad, very bad. You're at the doctor's office for a routine physical, but suddenly the doctor shares with you news of something they have found in the blood work, something they need to deal with. There's a, a difficult, shall we say, job evaluation you never saw coming. The relationship that you were assuming was solid is ending up with more turmoil than you ever realized. Or, for that matter, maybe it's as simple but as utterly complicated as a fender bender out in the market basket parking lot. And the end result is immediately the placid waters of your existence start to get rough. It's what Craig Barnes has aptly called the waves of adversity. When the sky becomes dark, the wind starts to blow, and now, without you even had, had any chance at all to prepare for it, you find you're suddenly in the midst of a storm, a major storm. 
And the thing is, as much as you and I might work very hard to avoid these kind of storms, or at least try to manage them when they come, the fact is, there's always going to be storms in our lives, and you can't stop a storm from coming. So the question is not if there's going to be a storm, but when there's going to be a storm and what you're going to do about it when it does come. And as our text for this morning that Chris shared with us makes crystal clear, if you're the disciples, what you're going to do is to scream. Scream out in terror. And, and having said that, I also want to say, in all fairness, when we hear about this in Luke's Gospel, we need to understand that the storm must not only have been immediate, but it had to have been torrential. We're told that the waves are raging, that the boat's filling up with water, and that they were all in imminent danger of losing their lives. It's bad. No matter how you want to look at this story, know this, the storm was bad. And what makes it even worse is that Jesus as is actually pointed out a little more directly in Mark's version of the story, he's in the stern of the boat, sound asleep. And so, yes, I get it. The disciples started crying out for the sake of their very lives. However, here's what's interesting, at least to me. In Mark's version of this story, we get the uh, disciples actually kind of angrily lashing out at Jesus. They say to him, Teacher, do you not even care that we are perishing here? Today we would add, Hello! <laughs> but in Luke, Luke, which, you know, is I think one of the more detailed of the Gospels, it's actually a lot simpler. And, and instead of lashing out, the disciples go and wake Jesus up and they start shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. Actually, in the original Greek, if I'm saying this right, it is kyri soson apalumatha. Close enough. But I will tell you, if you go to that Greek, it directly translates this way. It translates as, Lord, save, we perish. No less fear being expressed. And you have to imagine there is a whole lot of anguish and maybe some desperation that comes through in the shouting. But inherent in that particular response is, dare we say it, a bit, albeit the tiniest portion of faith. In Luke's version of the story, you see, what we have is the disciples' one and only correct response to the disciples having been caught in the storm. And that was to turn to Jesus. Trying to outrun the storm was not going to work. For the gusts of winds would have surely torn the sails to shreds. They could not have possibly bailed out the vessel before it was swamped. Nor would they have been able to safely swim ashore. Again, seven miles wide. A long way to swim. And there was no one else who would have even heard their cries for help. There's only Jesus. Only Jesus who could be the Savior of those who would perish. And somehow in the midst of their terror, 
the disciples knew this. Somehow they knew this. And so they cried out to Jesus and Jesus alone to save them from death. Well, you know the rest of the story. Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. All of it ceased and there was a calm. He told the wind, silence, and the waves, quiet down, and they did it. That's how the message translates it. And even as Jesus gently chides them by asking them, where's your faith? The disciples stand in amazement at this one who commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. It was an amazing thing, a massive storm massive storm had come upon them out there on the Galilean lake. It's a storm so quick and powerful and destructive that they had nearly died. You can't stop a storm from coming. Storms come. They always come. And you certainly can't stop a storm from doing the damage it's going to make. But now, here comes Jesus who stands up right in the worst that the storm is bringing forth and with just a couple of words ends it who brings forth a calm, Luke says. Did you notice, by the way, that it's not calm, but a calm? In other words, this is not merely about Jesus bringing the wind, waves, and rain under control, but it's also about Jesus bringing an end to the disciples' overwhelming fear and despair. Sally Weil, who is spiritual care coordinator of the Seedman Cancer Center up in Cleveland, Ohio, has written that perhaps our most important gift that we have, especially in times of catastrophe and loss, is a presence that refuses to retreat. I love that. For not only does that aptly express what caregiving ministry is all about, to give some sense of, of a presence and peace that doesn't go away. But when you hear that, you also understand it describes Jesus to a T. For when Jesus, our one and only Savior, is there standing in the boat with us in the midst of these inevitable storms we face, when Jesus is for you and me that presence that refuses to retreat, even in times when the rest of the world has long since abandoned ship, when Jesus offers us the kind of holy grounding, if you will, that keeps us strong, focused, and faithful when everything else just seems to be spinning hopelessly out of control, that's when we truly know what it is to have a calm in the midst of a storm. Now that does not mean that moving forward there will be forever glassy seas and smooth sailing ahead. Storms do sometimes, especially this part of the world, come in clusters. Actually, that's true of storms in every variety, right? That's life. And besides, as I've said often here now, you can't stop a storm, no matter what kind it is. But the good news is that when Jesus is on board the vessel, a calm can remain. What were the words of the psalm we shared this morning? God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, 
though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. Indeed, when Jesus, who is the Christ, this one who the wind and the waters obey, when Jesus is with us in the midst of life's many storms, we are assured, assured, without any doubt or hesitation at all, that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Well, the morning a couple weeks back, when I was driving back here to Concord from our week in Maine, I've got to tell you, it was a beautiful, beautiful day in northern New England. It's warm and sunny. The sky was a vibrant blue against a nearly cloudless sky. The sight of Mount Katahdin crystal clear on the rest western horizon. All in all, it was a perfect day for a drive, even uh, driving south for six hours, it was a great day for a drive, and to enjoy the summer landscape along the way. Perfect, that is, until the storms came. Four of them, to be exact, between there and here, the worst of which I encountered on I-95 between Waterville and Augusta. Torrential rain, torrential, with some hail, high gusty winds all around me, fair amount of thunder and lightning, all of which came on so suddenly and so intensely that in a matter of just a couple of minutes, I could barely see out of the windshield of our car in front of me, and I could begin to feel myself hydroplaning on the highway. Oh, and did I mention while all this was going on, there was bumper-to-bumper rush-hour traffic uh, going down on the southbound lane on I-95? Not fun. It was crazy, friends. And so, tell you what, I did the best and safest thing I could do under the circumstances. I just pulled my car over to the breakdown lane and waited out the storm. I couldn't see, and it was making me very nervous. I was having flashbacks to snowblowers and approaching vehicles. Inside jokes. But I, I wasn't going to deal with this. So uh, I'd already been through a couple of storms. Enough was enough. I pulled over to the breakdown wheel for well over a half an hour, I think. And, and, it was, and as an endless series of 18-wheelers sped by me like nothing at all was happening, as my little Ford Fiesta was shaking from roof to tires, I don't mind telling you that it was more than a little nerve-wracking. I I was actually getting a little bit scared. It was bad. In fact, at one point, I decided I wasn't far enough off the road, and I started the car, and I pulled over a little further. I figured if I got stuck off the interstate, so be it. And at some point, as I'm watching this storm raging all around me, I'm realizing, oh yeah, this looks familiar. And not just because of the weather. Yes, friends, I was in the midst of a parable. And the best thing, the only thing, really, I discovered the best thing and the only thing I could do under the circumstances was to sit and ride out the storm. In my own particular situation, as the psalmist sang, to simply be still and know that God is God. The same God who is a refuge in our strength. 
Storms are going to come. That much is for certain. This time of year, almost every day, we hear the forecast. There's a possibility of severe thunderstorms. They're talking about that again for tomorrow. But sometimes I realize that it might be the kind of storm that brings out wind and rain. Or maybe it's going to be the kind of storm that threatens us with fear or despair or grief or anger or confidence or regret or just simple sadness. Whatever storm might be coming, sometimes it just helps to pull off the side of the road and wait it out. Being assured that as the storm rages, whatever kind of storm it happens to be, we're with God in Jesus Christ. And so it's going to be nothing we can't handle. Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the storms. Amen. And amen. And that's the message entitled, Storms. It was recorded during our July the 24th service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire, where, by the way, we gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, just off exit 16 of I-93. Now, if you're visiting New Hampshire this summer, maybe looking for a place to worship on a Sunday morning, we'd love to have you join us. We are a small, mighty, and very welcoming congregation, and I think you'll be glad you came, and I know I will be glad to welcome you. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.